0: What the you are listening to why the truck
1: are you ready to truck it for the first time in 2024 welcome back everybody a little rusty up here it's been a uh, it's been a couple weeks a lot happened while I was away. It's kind of weird being on the sideline with all stuff going on in the Red Sea. That's something we're going to touch on today. Another big thing we're going to touch on today is it's an election year. So be prepared for crazy in society, in the supply chain, in the world. Today we're going to truck the vote, talk about getting drivers registered with an awesome guest named Scott Pressler, who'll be here pretty soon. Welcome to 2024. How was your New Year's? We had a great time. I got bit by a dog. I got bit, you know, the meme dog, uh, Shiba Inu. I got bit by one of those when one got into a, a fight with my my lab, Randy. I got my hand right in the middle, got bit through it. So thank you very much, uh, Dogecoin dog. I watched a lot of football when I recovered, though. Played a lot of video games with the kids. We uh, built some Legos. We drove about, I don't know, 22, 2,500 miles up and down the uh, northeast coast between Virginia, Connecticut, Back and forth all around. And we even got some supply chain bingo in. They were one of our last guests of the year. They gave us a few copies of this. Came in handy on the road. Go get your own copy. Go Go look up the supply chain bingo game. It's absolutely fantastic. It was a great time. Kid turned off that Fire pet tablet you can see in the upper right. Started looking for some intermodal containers. Things like that. It was a blast. By the way, speaking of parting like 1999, beer sales are expected to be their lowest since 1999. Glad to help contribute to that, because I don't drink. All right, on today's episode of What the Truck... We're kicking off the new year by getting drivers ready for the 2024 election season. I'm joined by political influencer Scott Pressler, who's on a mission to get every truck driver registered to vote. We'll find out everything you need to know to make your voice in this election heard. Freightways' Rachel Premack lays out the top issues in supply chain at the start of 2024. They're going to set the tone for the year. We're going to learn how this Red Sea conflict has already doubled shipping rates and what's going on there. Big Rig Permit Services' Clay Geringer, he tells us everything we need to know about permits, authorities, and trucking taxes in 2024 and we got freight waves justin martin he shares the driver perspective on voting breaks down a hot dog heist uh with a did the punishment fit the crime in that one we'll find out he shares his best winter trucking tools and breaks down bowl game and steamship line marketing but right now rachel premack is here for the first time in 24 what's up rachel how was your uh how was your new year's
2: it was good uh went to a friend's house party pretty standard nothing crazy <laughs>
1: That, yeah, anything happened there? It's like kind of, kind of a boring story, Rachel. Is it because you're married? Yeah, now? I know
2: it is. It, it is a boring story because it's just, you know, went to a friend's house party, saw some friends, someone brought a ham. A ham? and having the ham but uh yeah unfortunately i don't have a very interesting story around this
1: okay well there's enough going on in the supply chain enough going on in the world that you don't have to carry the segment Absolutely. with your personal life and that's good news that's good news for well not yeah. really good news it's kind of bad news and it it kind of sucked being out because i wanted to comment on this i want to do a show on this and i just didn't haven't had a chance till now but things have developed for example just yesterday Merskin definitely suspended all travel through the red sea i mean this obviously is the supply chain story of the year so far there's nothing 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 bigger, it bled into last year. It's gonna have a lot of impact. What's going on, Rachel?
2: Yeah, so we saw starting at the end of November of 2023 that Houthi fighters, which is a militant group based in Yemen backed by Iran, they started targeting container ships and oil oil tankers going through the Suez Canal and the Red Sea, which of course connects the Indian Ocean with the Mediterranean Sea, very key trade route. And uh, following that, we saw the U.S., the U.K., France, and a few other countries organize this naval coalition to protect ships going through that, that canal and through that conduit. But the attacks keep happening. So we've seen quite a few major container shipping companies say, we're just not going to move through that, that conduit. We're not going to go through the Red Sea. And instead, they're going all the way uh, around the Cape of Good Hope, which is the you know bottom of the African continent. And that adds about 10 to 15 days to most uh, transits going from Asia to Europe or to the U.S.
1: Yeah, we're seeing that in rates. We'll get to that in a minute. But what do you think of this tweet from Caleb Malpin? He says there's nothing for American working people to gain in fighting these rebels. No American blood should be shed to defend Israel in the Red Sea. From a supply chain perspective, I think that this person sounds very ignorant.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't really opine on... This really is not really – i I'm not, like, a military influencer or, like, I, I don't tweet, like, takes about the military. So well, what in, really America, to, what,
1: what in America – you don't have to – what in America do we stand to lose by not defending this? What is the issue here, Rachel?
2: Well, I mean, it's a key area of commerce, so you you probably would want to, you know, ensure that commerce can flow, flow freely. On the other hand, you can just go around the Cape of Good Hope. It adds 10 days to – uh, Transit times. I mean, this person is arguing that this is defending Israel. It's not defending Israel. It's uh, this sort of naval coalition just ensures free, free global trade. On the other hand, there's an alternative to going through the Red Sea and going through the Suez Canal. This kind of just seems like a uninformed take meant to garner, uh, I don't know, rage or, or retweets. Or I, I'm not really sure.
1: Well, here's an even more uninformed take. It comes from New York City's Columbus Circle. Play the tape.
2: Palestine. From
1: I mean, it's pretty obvious where they stand there. They're cool with attacks on vessels moving through the area. They want another ship turned around. There's seafarers' life at stake. There's commerce at stake. It, and this is becoming politicized, too. And now this is a part of the movement, and now supply chain is directly in the line of fire within this movement where there's, there's one side that they don't seem to understand the implications and the ramifications of what's happening here with global trade.
2: Yeah, I mean, regardless of what your viewpoints are, I guess, on the situation in the middle east this is not just you know a political situation this is also a, an economic situation and as we all know you know wars and and basically everything runs on supply chain so just kind of looking at the uh looking at looking at the political angle of this is not just the only way to look at this you also need to consider the fact that 30% of all global of all global container volume goes through the suez canal so this is a pretty important area of the world to focus on and to defend or to find alternatives around, depending on uh, what, if you're a container shipping company, what your tactic is gonna be.
1: Here's what this looks like. Javier Bliss says, map of the day, sometimes a picture is worth, yes, yeah, show that vessel map, a picture is worth a thousand words. Container ships heading toward Europe and or, and or North America with almost all avoiding the Red Sea. More than two weeks after launch, the US-led Prosperity Guardian, the Houthis still rule in the Red Sea. And look, you're talking about, like John Conrad tweeted earlier, he goes, look, if this is sustained, you're talking about needing to like double the world's container fleet when you shut down these canals. You're talking about doubling the amount of fuel needed to move these vessels vessels throughout there, there's a lot of impacts that don't that aren't just on the surface here of a boat going through the Red Sea.
2: I mean it is important to note that these are just the container ships, these don't include oil tankers. And it's also there are actually still quite a few container shipping companies that have not decided to avoid the Red Sea. Basically all container shipping companies based in China, Japan, South Korea are still have not announced any sort of uh pause in shipping, but you know, this is obviously quite a quite a jarring map that does show just how many are avoiding the area still.
1: This is as of December twenty eighth. Ryan Peterson tweeted: "So far, nine hundred twenty thousand Tu containers have diverted south of Africa, and another million are delayed in the Suez area." And that was before. Mersk had formerly pulled. I know they danced around it last week, but those numbers are from December 28th. According to AIS, the number of container ships circumventing the Cape of Good Hope increased from 18 a month ago to over 120 today. Again, this this is late December numbers. That's a 588% increase.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely freight rates are going to go up. Transit times are going to go up it's it, on the other hand you could say oh well you know freight rates have been pretty low since the since the uh, 2021 2022 but this is definitely something that's going to impact global shipping and i think it just creates a lot of uncertainty if you are a whether you're a shipper or a carrier um it just creates a lot of uncertainty and we all know that Supply chains love uncertainty so uh it's definitely something that is disrupting a lot of planning I think for 2024.
1: You can see right here on this chart show this has got the big bitcoin spike and what happened to container rates they uh like we said earlier they've nearly doubled shot right up at the beginning of, of the year that yeah that's a straight line it's almost hard to see it's easier just to look at the green <laughs> yeah. above it it went from about 1500 um to near 3000.
2: Yeah it's interesting cuz this is China, North America, West, which you wouldn't think is really impacted by Suez Canal disruptions. The other thing that's important is that there's also all these disruptions going on on the Panama Canal side. There's been a drought there and that, uh, you know, has limited trade from or limited and disrupted trade going from, let's say, China to North America East.
1: Interesting. Well, Rachel, a lot to keep track of. John Conrad's going to be here on Friday. We're going to go even deeper on this one. But in the meantime, now, here's my next question for you. Was 2023 a win? Secretary Pete put this video out. Roll the
0: tape. When President Biden first took office, the pandemic had led to the most profound and widespread set of disruptions to our transportation systems since 9-11, including enormous strain on our supply chains. We were paying more. We were waiting longer. We had about 100 ships bearing down on those West Coast ports, and some in the media, just about exactly two years ago, were saying that Christmas was going to be canceled. Christmas, of course, was not canceled. All through the year, President Biden had been challenging us to stay ahead of this issue and to be prepared to respond. And so, as tough as that season was, we wound up having an all time record high of goods moving through America's ports and people received their packages from major shippers with about a ninety nine percent on time rate.
1: We also had the largest trucking bankruptcy in history in twenty twenty three. Uh, we didn't have the conflicts are going in twenty twenty four. Secretary Pete actually tweeted two years ago, Breathless Media reports. I believe you were one of them. Rachel said Christmas would be canceled. Was twenty twenty three a win is, is or is Pete on the gas right here?
2: Well, OK, I am well, the video is about 2021. I, I don't know if he said 2023 is a win. I think if you look at the trucking industry, definitely there's still significant challenges there. We've seen, you know, thousands of trucking companies go bankrupt. Uh, what else is there? We saw Yellow go bankrupt. We saw Convoy, a major VC backed uh, freight brokerage uh, shut down layoffs throughout the, the freight industry. How much of that can be like tied to Secretary uh, Judge's policies and President Biden's policies is kind of unclear. It seems like most of the reason why we have seen so many trucking bankruptcies is just because there was that sort of buildup in the trucking industry in 2020, 21, 22, or sorry, early 22. And, you know, very boom and bust cycles. Of course, trucking is going to struggle quite a bit after years and years of historic expansion. Um, but if, if they're, if, uh, you know, Boo or Biden is going to say, you know, 2023 has been g- good for trucking or good for freight, I think that would be a challenging, uh, challenging, uh, argument to make, if that's the argument they're, they're going to make.
1: Rachel, before I let you go, big, big year, big, big year, big election year. How important is it for drivers to get out and vote and make their voices heard?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely really important for drivers to vote and register and and all these sorts of things, just as it is for any sort of American to to vote. I think it's interesting because you don't see politicians typically try to target drivers or target their issues. And I think that's definitely an oversight because it is, you know, more than 2 million uh, people are employed in the trucking industry as uh, tractor-trailer drivers. So kind of Politicians, you know, talking more to them would make a lot of sense, in my opinion. But no one's asked me. So, well, you've just asked me. But uh, I, I would say it's it's very important for drivers to vote.
1: Well, after today's episode, I think we're going to get a lot more interest in this topic because my next guest that I'm going to bring on, he's got better hair than you. He's got browner hair than you. I don't know. His complexion may even be a little, a little more glowing than yours because he's been up and down the coast getting people registered to vote already. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for uh, starting off twenty twenty four great, even though it was, it was bad news. And uh, we'll see you next week. I shall right. see you next week in Chattanooga, won't I? Are, are you coming here? Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, well then I'll see you in town. Take it easy, Rachel. All right, let's go to our next guest because he's there in the green room. I already hyped him up. It's Scott Pressler, political influencer. The guy has been all over Pennsylvania for the how long? How long have you been in Pennsylvania for uh, for Scott?
3: Well, I've been working in Pennsylvania. And thank you, Mr. Dooner, for having me, you know, for five plus years. And I will say, Rachel, you are
1: gorgeous. (laughs) Don't look. I owe justice to you. I, I was I'm just trying to cause a little a little early conflict, a little early drama. No, you both look great. You know, they're calling this Scott. They're calling this the ultimate election year around the world. It's not just the United States. All over the place, there are major votes happening. People are very concerned about what's happening globally. Uh, more truck drivers need to be concerned what's happening globally, but even more importantly what's happening here right in the United States. America First movement getting big again, too. But I I love it. You reached out to me so many times we A lot of times we try to avoid the hard side of politics on this show. We don't want to alienate people on those grounds necessarily. But it's a very important election season. And I reached out and I said, anybody who wants to talk about election this year, let me do it. And you were the first person to reach out. And you're like, the you're a huge influencer. And you're like, look, I think it's important. I think it's my mission to reach out to drivers this year. Why drivers, though, Scott?
3: Well, I want to make it clear. I mean, the trucking community... Believe it or not, you guys are so powerful. No truckers, no food, no stores, and no civilization, quite frankly. I mean, look at the power that the convoy and Cana- Canada had with the Canadian truckers basically shutting down the government. You know, I I want the drivers, the working class, blue collar America to understand your full potential and realize that, you know, these legislators, whatever legislation you want to push, you have the power to change. And that's why I'm here, because I want to empower everybody to come together and make sure that in 2024, it is we who are capturing uh, that power and not letting other
1: people to decide for us. You know what was really interesting about that convoy Scott was it happened at the beginning of 2022 and Uh, truck drivers were sick of lockdowns. It impacted them directly, obviously. They were in the line of fire, of cross-border COVID lockdowns, um, uh, vaccine regulations, those kind of mandates. And it got drivers activated. But an interesting thing happened when they did that convoy is it got a lot of people who weren't drivers also interested, who were also sick of lockdowns and regulations and just wanted to let society rip. But do you think it takes like a moment, an inflection point, as powerful as that one, to get drivers engaged? This one in 2024? Or is there enough if we just look around at some of these issues
3: well i think COVID opened up a lot of people's eyes like you said from drivers from truckers and and look at moms and dads from understanding what really was happening within our schools and you know i hate to say it uh unfortunately looking throughout history Times sometimes have to get really, really bad before people do something. I think the majority of people are pacifist, and, you know, we're not aggressors. We'll usually go along to get along. But I mean, look at the state of the world right now. You know, when I go across the country and I'm talking to people, the theme that I hear over and over again is the world is in chaos. But really bringing this back to drivers in the trucking community i mean look at ai look at electric vehicles that is going to be a threat to our workers and our workers going to be replaced by technology are we going to have self-driving automobiles that are going to you know replace Millions of jabs. I think that's something that we really need to be forward thinking and try to to understand and recognize that it's going to put a lot of people potentially out of work, like when they shut down coal, like with the green, quote unquote, climate agenda. You know, what is going to happen to truckers if AI does take over?
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting you mentioned the climate thing. So a big thing happened in Southern California. They were pushing this CARB initiative. They're pushing it nonstop. It was supposed to start at the beginning of the year. And for port truckers, you couldn't register a, a new diesel semi after that cutoff date. So the good actors that worked the ports, they went out, they spent they spent over top dollar on these electric vehicles. They retrofitted their free stick. They did everything they needed. They spent at their own cost. They spent a ton of money doing this. And then the government just kicked the can down the road even further. So, like, even if you tra- try to 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 do the limbo and to bend by their will it can still screw you it's crazy
3: yeah well and on top of that i mean look at what's happening with for example i mean drivers run on diesel right? I assume. Yeah. And those prices just continue to skyrocket. So the climate agenda is having a real impact on your community. And that's why it's so important people register to vote and get out to vote. And one thing that I'm really honing in on is, you know, I hear from all over the country, Dooner, they go, Scat, my voice doesn't matter, my vote doesn't matter, et cetera. I want to make it clear. There are 80,000 truckers in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Did you know that? And furthermore, Joe Biden in the 2020 election, and I use this word loosely, won the election, right? But he won by 80,000 votes. So basically what I'm trying to impart upon your listeners and your audience is the trucking community could literally swing statewide elections if they register to vote, if they mobilize to vote. Now, one issue that I think affects you guys, and what I wanna hear from you, is really what is y'all's schedule and how long in advance do you get to plan out your schedule? And the reason why I say this is, for example, if you're gonna be on the road hauling a rig for a month's time, then that means that we need to make sure that you're registered to vote and you're either early voting or planning ahead to get your vote-by-mail ballot sent to a location that you'll be at. So that way you can still vote in the election. Because if you're traveling, if you're driving on Election Day, clearly you're not going to be able to vote your voice.
1: No, and you bring up some great points here. As a national voting block, look at this, truck drivers, there's 3.5 million active truck drivers in the U.S., but there's about 10 million CDLs, so those are guys— who are not driving. You got that chart? We had 3.5 million active drivers in the U.S. When you look at the characteristics of truck drivers, you're looking at almost 90% are men, um, many educated, not as many in the, in the college field, many have some college in there. And then when you look at by race and everything, you're also looking at, especially as you go older, a predominantly white field that when you get younger skews a little bit different. Now for drivers, what you also have to understand, Scott, is their makeup's very different. You have over the road truck drivers, you have local truck drivers, you you have owner operators you have company truck drivers and they all have different conditions but a lot of drivers have a very difficult time of making it to the ballot box on the day of voting my question for you is absentee balloting right it got very much decreed in 2020 mail got attacked in 2020 but it seems like a very sensible way for drivers to actually get their voice heard what's your stance on that or absentee ballots good Do we need to encourage this for drivers
3: well i launched an organization called early vote action so yes i am supporting early voting but the reason why is i just want people to vote in general whatever method that you choose whether it's on election day for those that are capable but i mean look at other professions that are similar to drivers you know we have our members of the united states military we got pilots we like got airline commercial you know flight attendants You got uh, truckers and teachers, et cetera. Those are all people who may not have the ability to be home on election day. And those are people that may share similar values. So why do we wanna limit the ability of people to vote? No, we need to be responsible and say, like, for example, in Pennsylvania, there are 50 five zero days of early voting, meaning that you can go to your local elections office or you can go to your courthouse. And even if you don't like the vote by mail system, which I understand that some people may be hesitant about putting something in a draft box or a mailbox, whatever, you can go in person and vote a mail ballot at your elections office, and then you can still Uh, do your job and do your profession. So there are ways around it. But one thing that I really want everyone to do, please, is at least go to vote.gov, G-O-V, meaning government, and you're going to be able to find your state on there. And I want you to first check your voter registration status. Now, when you check your status, like so, for example, you can type in Pennsylvania, check voter status, and you're going to look yourself up by like your date of birth, et cetera. If it says active and it says your current address, you're good to go. But if you have moved recently or for some reason your status says inactive, that means that you are not currently able to vote in the system. So you need to renew your voter registration. You need to fill it out again. And again, you can do that at vote.gov. Now, uh, one last thing that I I do want to point out is every year, for example, in states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Florida, North Carolina, they just opened up the vote by mail request application. So in those states that I just mentioned, you have to request a vote by mail in order to receive one. If you do not request one, you are not gonna receive one unless you're in a state like Arizona and you're on the active early voting list. Or if you're in a state like Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, on the West Coast, most of those states are Uh, voters receive a vote by email based on whether they're an eligible voter. So it's just very important that we uh, are cognizant of the different rules and laws in each of the states. And if anybody has any questions of that, of course, I make myself available. My Twitter is at Scott Pressler or my ex, excuse me, Elon Musk. (laughs) And you guys are welcome to slide into my DMs in the most wholesome of manner.
1: Scott, is November 5th the only date we have to care about? Because even leading up to these these primaries, these caucuses, we're hearing places like Colorado, Maine, try to keep people off the ballot. I mean, it, it seems like there's a lot going on that's going to even just lead up to election. Oh,
3: well, I mean, look, two weeks from now, we got January 5th, we have the caucus. Now, for the Iowa caucus, there is no vote by meal. There is no early voting. You have to show up at your precinct location in person. So if you're a trucker listening to this and you want to participate, I do strongly suggest that you participate in your caucus on January 15th, and I'll tell you, I think Pennsylvania, their primary is April 23rd, and, you know, really, a lot of people are so focused on the general election, and what I mean by the general election is, like you said, November 5th, 2024, that's presidential, congressional, state, local, right? That's everything. But a lot of our candidates, in order to get to the general, first have to go through the primary process. And the primary, in and, and many congressional districts across the country, that primary really decides who's going to win the election, because they're either districts that are so blue or so red that that candidate that wins the primary is going to often go on to be the congressperson for that district. And so again, you can find out a lot of these things by typing into the internet. For example, Iowa caucus 2024, or Pennsylvania primary 2024, Nevada caucus 2024, and put those on your calendar because I wanna make sure that the busy schedule and lives that you guys lead, you at least are, are aware and putting that and thinking forward.
1: You know, Scott, right before the calendar changed, Ramaswamy went down to the Iowa 80 truck stop, and usually when you see politicians, political candidates engage the community, it's usually some like union photo op. Oh, UPS got their deal done, you know, and they're kind of in the background. But uh, Ramaswamy went down there himself. Good move. Do more candidates need to get in front of this community and and not just political influencers? Oh, absolutely.
3: Well, I mean, look, he's bringing national attention. That this is about uplifting voices, right? So uh, this is Ramaswamy saying to the trucking community, I see you, I value you, I acknowledge you, and I want to bring your issues to the forefront. And the same like we're doing for the Amish community, for students, for hunters across the country, for moms and dads. You know, the the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans is I think uh, Democrats really are collectivist at heart. But what they do a really good job at doing is they point out the individuals and that's ironic because republicans i think are really individualist at heart but they often don't point out the individual they treat everybody as the collective so it's really funny and and i do love to see that groups are changing the way that they relate to people. And I think it's so important that we say individually to people, like you heard me, our teachers, our military, our trackers, our pilots. Each one of those people has value and agency. And it's so critical that we bring those issues that are important to those groups to the forefront.
1: How do we turn the gas up, too? How do do we make sure that it's not just... This show where truck drivers are hearing it, like as good as the audience is, there's a lot more truck drivers are than there is audience here. How do we expand this? How do we bring this? Is this uh bring the, the politics to the truck stop? How do we what is your plan here, Scott? Yeah, I want you guys to please help change the culture.
3: You know, as much as I would like to, I can't be at every truck stop in America, although that would be really cool. <laughs> you know, Scott Restler hanging out at truck stops, but I will say. Uh, I have been invited. I think that you guys are having the largest truck show in North America. I think it's in Kansas City, right, that you guys are having this year. It's like June or March or something like that. It's Kansas oh, yeah, City, math, Missouri. Probably, right, Mance, maybe? I think so, and I'm I'm trying to see if I can get there. But really what I would love to see is, I would love your listeners, your audience, as you're talking to people remember this is about getting drivers to vote this is empowering the community so we can enact legislation both at the federal uh state and local level now we have had some successes that you and i talked about in 2023 at the federal level uh in regards to the trucking community but what i would love to see is when you're talking to your fellow drivers always ask each other are you registered to vote at your current address? Do you have a plan to vote in your state's primary? Do you have a plan to vote on November 5th, 2024? And what I would love to see too, in the most legal way possible, is you know, at a uh, track stops, et cetera, you know, you go inside, you got machines uh, for vending machines, et cetera. And sometimes they have boards, I would love us to see, you know, a truck the vote QR code that somebody can simply put it up, scan the QR code. It goes to vote.gov. And let's make sure that every driver, every trucker is registered to vote. And I I do. I would be remiss not to acknowledge our mechanics as well, because I heard a statistic that, for example, for every 100 truckers, there's a mechanic. There's an automobile, you know, car shop, truck staff that is taking care of all of y'all and your rigs. So we also want to make sure that we're reaching out to all of the other jobs that are in relationship to the work that y'all do.
1: Scott, I love the QR code idea. I'm going to run that up the flagpole over here, and um, hopefully they'll approve. We'll print a bunch, and I'll send you some too, and we can both start stickering some uh, some truck stuffs
3: Oh, absolutely. Oh, this this could be big. Every truck stop in America <laughs> will have a qr code i mean that'd be pretty cool
1: just saying that that would be awesome now scott in the meantime people have any questions for you they need that they want to know more about getting registered to vote uh your twitter is probably the best to send them to right yeah you can go to
3: my website earlyvoteaction.com of course but if you want immediate access i mean i'm pretty quick to reply to people And if you slide into my DMs on Twitter, which is at Scott Pressler, S-C-O-T-T-P-R-E-S-L-E-R, I'd love the opportunity to connect with you, make sure that you get registered to vote, and make sure that you have a plan to vote this year.
1: Hey, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Keep fighting the good fight, and I'll do my work on my end. Thanks for stopping by the show today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good stuff. Good stuff and good mission. And if you notice, he just said, look, he just wants you to get registered to vote. Who cares who you vote for? Get registered. Start the process. Get engaged. Get involved. This year is going to be a big inflection point. As you know, in election years, things are only going to get crazier as the year goes by. All right. Elsewhere, let's take a trip back to uh, a scary moment in 1993.
4: All right. Let me see. What will it be? We're here to go. Uh, Would you like ketchup on that? Well, uh, large or small fry? Uh, cash or credit what the home of the whopper is offering cash or credit i think it's pretty bad if
2: you have to use a credit card when you go to a fast food restaurant for something as little as three dollars and ten
4: cents
5: if i use my gm card and i get a five percent rebate Thank you if i eat here long enough i'll
6: be able to buy a pickup truck
4: burger king bosses say workers won't have to figure out how much change the customer gets back
6: I just hope it doesn't slow things down at the cash cash and carry that people are going to be having to call New York and get get the confirmation or, you know, whatever it is, because when I want a Whopper, I want it now. Just another way to spend money. I'm sure it'll work for people on vacation when they don't have to do something, but I can't imagine it working on a day-to-day basis here.
4: So far, the smallest credit has been for $2.50, the largest just over 10 Jamie Costello, News Channel 2.
1: You know that's from 1993 because, like, the largest bill at a fast food place was under $10. I was taking my kids to, like, McDonald's on our road trip and Happy Meal. Like, this wasn't even a rest stop that we stopped at. It was one of those ones where you go, like, there's, you know, there's a Burger King down the way or a McDonald's down the way. And then it's, like, take a left and you go three miles down the road. And it was, like, $8 a Happy Meal. These things used to be $4.99, $8 a Happy Meal, and then my kids didn't even play with the toys. And, like, usually I'm pretty calm and cool, and I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, like, whatever, their food's taken care of. But now that it's $8, that's not the story, kids. You better eat that damn stuff in the backseat, and you better eat that toy, too. Better crap out some plastic like your butt's a 3D printer. All right, what's happening here? (laughs) <laughs> get ready to start your 2024 with exciting news. Join us for Mastermind 2024. It's the near-shoring experience and will cover your stay. If you're among the first 25 people to register now, your hotel will be included in the cost of the ticket. It sounds awesome, right? Don't miss out on this opportunity and elevate your industry insights alongside global leaders. Act fast. Register today. Yeah, you'll get be the first 25. What does it say? You'll, oh, you get a, your hotel will be included in the cost. That's a pretty good deal. Maybe I'll beat you guys to it. Once I'm done with the show, all right, Clay Gehringer, Big Rig Permit Services, man, it's a whole new year, whole new stuff to worry about if you're running a wig. How you doing today, sir? Pretty good. How you doing? How, where are you coming in from? Where are you? Uh, what part of the world do you uh, hang out in?
6: Right in North Carolina. We're just uh, we're in a little town called Gastonia, North Carolina. It's just uh, about 25 minutes west of Charlotte. Ah, nice. Well, I was through uh, Virginia, and I was through. Uh,
1: where was was I in North Carolina? Maybe I was, I can't remember. My parents were there in Virginia and they, they just got two places and like I put in the GPS and I go and I can never remember which one I'm at <laughs> of the two because they look so similar. Uh, love to hear it though. Hey, tell us a little bit about Big Rig Permit Services. What y'all up
6: to there? So yeah, Big Rig Permit Services is our uh, our company we run and we help uh, owner operators. Uh, we help have uh, guys that just single owner operators and then fleets up to about uh, 20 trucks Um, So what we do is our bread and butter is really uh, the quarterly IFTA taxes. We have a lot of guys that still run paper logs, so they'll send us uh, the paper logs. Uh, We'll uh, generate a fuel report, and then we'll actually file that for uh, the different companies. Uh, And then we take care of states like Connecticut, New York, Kentucky, New Mexico. Um, So we we do uh, 2290s. We do IRP tag renewals, MCS-150 updates, UCRs. So uh, just just uh, the basic service of taking things off their plate so they don't have to worry about it. That that's what Big Rig Permit Services does. Any new regulations,
1: uh, new ways to file, or or forms that have come out this year that drivers need to know about? Uh,
6: the the big thing is the FMCSA, uh, the login.gov. Just making sure. Uh, usually, like if we go in and do a, an MCS 150 biannual update, uh, that is the way that you have to log in. Now you can't just go in through the the safer through the FMCSA portal, uh, you have to have that login.gov and then it links you through that way. So um, everybody's supposed to already have that done. So make, make sure that everybody's on top of that. What service of yours
1: is, is like most helpful? What are fleets or, or drivers screwing up way too often for their own
6: good? Um, I would say uh, just not knowing when things are due. Uh, and, and like really across the board, we've had guys that have drove for, golly, like 30 plus years and then still forgetting like quarterly that, uh, you know, oh, uh, your IFTA is due. And it's like, you know, January, February, March, all right, it's going to be due in April and, uh, just kind of forgetting about it. So always having to send reminders, like whether it's emails, texts, or just calling, um, and, and then you know, as you follow the calendar year, just saying, okay, you're you're twenty two ninety. You've you've had to do this. Like if you're over fifty five thousand pounds, you've had to do this uh, basically forever. So uh, that's due. Uh, and then like your UCR or like your if to sticker renewals, just so on and so on. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's one specific thing. It's just kind of they're out driving, taking care of what they're doing, booking loads, and it's like you know, whether their wife has handled these things or a different permit business or us, like they, they just, it's not really always on their mind.
1: Let's say I'm crazy. And, and at the end of the year, I decide to buy a truck. I've never been owner operator before, but I said, you know what? I like to buy when the market's down. I like to buy when the trucks are a little bit cheaper. So I did that. What do I need to know going into this year? I haven't filed, I haven't really filed anything before. Like, like what about those iftis? What do I got to start doing now?
6: Well, if you're going to start your own company, obviously you, you file, uh, you start your DOT, uh, get an authority if you're going to be hauling for higher state lines with the FMCSA, and then it's just a basic process. So, uh, you know, you have to wait four weeks for it to go active with the FMCSA, have to have that VOC3 on file and everything, insurance on file, and then it's just like getting your tag, and then it's getting the IFTA set up with your state and then it's getting your UCR, and then so on. So, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a definitely a, a, a process. It's not just like, hey, let's sign up, get a DOT number, and then we're rolling. Uh, it, it's a, a four- to, to six-week process to really get everything set up.
1: Were you a driver beforehand? how did you know all these forms were kind of a, a pain in the ass and a headache
6: for drivers? Uh, well, I've been in the industry on the side of shipping and receiving for 20 years, uh, working at a place that did uh, injection molding and uh actually manufactured the the um the oil seal that goes on the front axle for everybody for freightliner peterbilt kenworth uh volvo and uh just built great relationships with truck drivers truck companies like we dealt with a lot of ltl guys like um averett um usf holland uh, obviously not any longer um rnl those type guys so i saw a lot of guys uh every single day um, you know, that would, uh, bring products in and then we'd ship out like direct stuff to, to customers. And then like, uh, we, we would start doing truckloads, like, uh, all drive and stuff. And we, uh, you know, I, I just, I enjoy talking to people and enjoy building relationships more so than just, Hey man, how you doing? Yeah. The bathroom's over there. So, you know, I like to ask them where they're from, like, you know, what's their story, like where, the, you know, everything about them. And, uh, So that that's how I got into the industry, and uh, my wife and I have been doing this business for a few years. Um, And uh, but yeah, that that's how I I got into it. But never, I've only backed up a truck like three times, and that that was uh, took me about forty five minutes to hit the dock. So not a driver.
1: You know what? Sometimes people are just naturals. Like for example, one time I was on a race car speedway track, and I had never driven a stick before. I drove a race car, and I still won the race. You know, you just learn to fly. You just learn, wow. just learn as you go,
6: Clay. Yeah.
1: Well, awesome stuff. Um, hey, h- how do people check out what you guys do? How do they use your services? See if what you have uh, interests them.
6: Yeah, and the the main thing we got going on is uh, the the Trucker Docs app. Uh, so what we saw is how unorganized everyone was um, with with everything going on. Like, couldn't remember when things were due. Uh, we've been on the phone when folks are arguing with one another about like their logins for the FMCSA, for their IRP, for their IFTA. Um, So what we did was we created an app and it's called trucker docs and it's in, uh, it's in the Apple store. It's in Google play and it's uh, called trucker docs and the, the mascots is jacked up bald Eagle and says it runs on diesel bald Eagles in the American spirit. And our heart with the app is to really help folks stay organized Um, So, it has push notifications letting you know, like if it is due, uh, your 2290 is due. There's uh, general and there's specific, like for your tag, for your MCS 150 update when that's due. Um, And you have access to, to have pictures that are saved on the cloud and be able to send it from anywhere at any time. So um, that's kind of the, the big thing we have going on. Um, but uh, yeah, if anybody wants to to reach out to us, uh, they can look on uh, either uh, our big rig permitservices.com website or our app website. Very and, cool. Uh, just, yeah.
1: Clay, thank you so much. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy North Carolina. And uh, welcome to 2024.
6: Yeah, you as well. Happy New Year. Take it easy.
1: All right. All right thanks, All right. man. Let's talk about this here. Let's see if those uh, rebels start shooting tankers. We might have to take the trucks off the road and, and switch to this. We'll be going green. Take a look. Fortunately, they actually haven't shot any tankers yet. As John Conrad said, I don't think they want oil all over their beaches. So there are tankers still going through the Red Sea. But what you're looking at here is, uh, can you hear in a nice recumbent bicycle? He gets to pull his container around? I mean, is this, this the way to get into shape in 2024, driver? What do you think, super trucker? What do you think, Justin Martin? Would you uh, pilot one of those? Like, no I Like see Lombard, I, I could see Lombard riding one of those. Oh yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> Mike would get miles on that thing. You think they still make you wait? Like you have to? You think you have to wait eight hours, like exposed to the sun in that? Like anywhere else delivering? Oh uh, god, I hope not. Yeah, cover
5: up. I I'm trying to think like what's the worst place? Phoenix, Arizona has got to be like the most miserable place
1: to be. Uh, hauling oh. a bike like that around because you're, you're just, just like the, tending. the
5: sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no covers, no nothing.
1: No, it's like driving around a convertible. Like, convertibles are the most overrated cars on earth. Like, you're stuck at a stoplight and it immediately sucks if it's nice enough to drive with it out. You just, like, bake in your stupid leather convertible seats.
5: Motorcycles, too. Most people don't realize, you know, part of the reason why everyone wears, like, the long leathers and stuff is because you're on that bike all day long and you're just getting cooked.
1: Yeah, I've rode a few times and you're, like, sweaty as hell when you get off those things, too. You need a shower. Like, it's not all just, like, biker babes and then just someone jumps you like immediately it's not as exciting now if you saw a little earlier on the show we had scott presser on he's he's doing lord's work trying to get drivers registered to vote try to engage the community first of all let me ask you a question do truck drivers like voting or are they engaged with the government is this something that a lot register for justin
5: I mean, it all depends on the driver. Um, I would say, for the most part, they lean a little more Republican, right wing. Um, hopefully, if they're registered in their, in their states, they they can vote. I never understood the pushback from truck drivers against um, mail-in ballots. Yeah. Um, I think was Wisconsin. They've been doing mail-in ballots for decades now with no issues. I see that as a really good option for drivers, especially if you're on the road during election day um, or at, absentee ballots. Um, that's another great option. But a lot of drivers I talk to, they don't they don't trust it. Yeah, they don't tend to turn, like, truck stops into polling stations, do they? No, most of your polling stations are in, like, schools and churches or your local
1: municipal building. I think, you know, I think Prime had a a voting terminal, but it's, like, it's very far. It's, like, very unique if you hear that some place has a place for drivers to actually go and vote. And of course that only covers the drivers who are in, on November 5th at the specific time that they can go and vote. Scott was very, it was a proponent of mail-in. Um, the other side is obviously has always been a big proponent of it. And I think that we could be doing a disservice, especially in 2020 by discouraging drivers not to vote. Yeah. And anyone
5: who looked at the election in, um, in twenty uh, the previous election, you see like what a great windfall mail-in ballots were for the other side. So if you're worried about your side or the other winning, you know you got to use every tool in your arsenal available.
1: Yeah. Do you think do you think it's important here? You think drivers should should do that? You think we should print those QR codes that take you to vote.gov that Scott suggested?
5: Yeah, it's a great idea. Um, and I, I had no idea until we talked to Scott about how just how big of a, a voting block truckers are in this country. Yeah, 3.5
1: million. That's just active drivers. I mean, if you look at the chart, Luke Velasca just tweeted about an hour ago, there's a bunch of uh, drivers that have been bleeding out due to the excess capacity and obviously the slowdown in uh, the supply chain economy. So those drivers too, you know, they're not going to be feeling a certain way, especially to give up their business. I mean, now's the time to vote. Now's the time to make your voice heard. I feel like in 2020, we didn't encourage this much or, or at all or enough. So I think this year is going to be a big difference. This truck to vote push is going to come pretty strong from us. You know, we'll try to stay out of getting too politically biased in here, but I do think it's important that drivers get out there.
5: Yeah and we're seeing now with um you know demographic changes and voting block changes you know it's it's not so much just the soccer moms that are like the big pusher for which direction the winds blow nowadays um they're looking for other other blocks that they can they can go towards and truckers are a, a big one i'm really surprised more candidates aren't aren't uh gunning for truckers like uh, uh Vivek was
1: No, because, you know, it's unique when they do like it it automatically brings attention or when someone like Scott says, hey, we want to promote this. And if some like big left wing influencer was like, hey, I want to help get drivers registered to vote, I would say, "Okay, come on, just, you know, kind of keep the message a little center. Come on and and help us do that. That hasn't happened yet. Usually it's just a photo op with a union that you see out of out of out of of most politicians. I don't even want to say left. I want to say most politicians were largely ignored in this space. Time to stand up. There was.
5: There was um that one truck driver Joshua Collins I think um last uh, the last election cycle he had he had a lot of support online but when it came to the actual you know in person voting I think he got less than like a percent less than one percent of like his local voting block and I'm I'm not sure if he's still even active in politics these days but that that seems to be like what happens mostly is like they get a lot of attention online and then nothing really comes of it and then they just kind of give up.
1: Yeah, there's that, like, the terminally online, like, the, the, we're very aware, we sort of know everything, but it also sort of blends together, and you don't tend to get as much, uh, I don't know, it's a lot of talk, you don't get as many, like, you don't, you don't always see those results happening. Now, let's talk about a punishment, crime and punishment, law and order, Justin. Let's take a look at this, this video of a hot dog heist.
4: Hello, everyone. It's the eve of Christmas Eve. And this is Rafael Zamora. He's 57. That's right. And here's what happened. On the eve of the eve of the eve of Christmas, he went into the Love's truck stop on Highway 27, and he ripped off two hot dogs and a large fountain drink. He's from Pembroke Pines, Florida. Now, that may be all right down there, but it's not all right up here. And then he got into his truck and drove off. Well, we're not putting the trucking company on blast because they did what was right. When they were notified by Love's that they had a thieving driver, they made him go back to the store and meet the deputies. Well, he got to not only meet the deputies, but he went from a truck driver to a jailbird. That's right, we locked him up in jail. Makes no matter the value of the theft, he was a thief. And he's in jail. Merry Christmas, Raphael.
1: It seems kind of harsh to me. I mean, this wasn't like a hot dog sting. They weren't like tracking this guy and he'd been hitting up all like the loves up and down 95 or anything like that. They caught him once, stole a couple of hot dogs in a soft drink, and they threw him in jail two days before Christmas. Too harsh, Justin?
5: I mean, it's it's Polk County, Florida. That that's what this sheriff is known for. He he likes to be on uh, social media bragging about you know all the all the good work he's doing. I think it's a little excessive because whatever costs they're going to pay to lock him up for however long, it's going to be more than uh, the value of the hot dogs that he stole. But I guess that's the message that they want to send out.
1: I mean, I get a thief is a, th- a thief, but like. Uh, truck drivers get money stolen from them every single and i'm not i'm not justifying stealing hot dogs but i'm saying like truck drivers get money stolen from every time they pull up for a dock in terms of their hours and much more hundreds of dollars like there's way more it's seemingly injustice in the world than these couple of hot dogs because like he, he has that on his record he might have a hard job getting another truck driving uh, gig. good luck to him
5: yeah but also you know there's that saying how you do anything is how you do everything so yeah you know if he's the kind of guy that's like willing to rip off a couple of hot dogs you know who knows what else he's up to um you know are looking for his log guess, books now
1: well. you're asking you're asking for his <laughs> logbooks?
5: yeah i'm sure that i'm sure it doesn't take much to dig are, there, are they gonna what else he's doing
1: you think they'll put him in gta 6
5: oh yeah that's a good
1: one yeah <laughs> he's got to be a character in there now the, the hot dog crime at, at, at uh gta 6 Seem a little rough. I don't know. I'm gonna say they went too hard on the guy. I'm not sure what you like. Can't you just give the guy like a fine or a misdemeanor and, and like you would nail him again, then like put him in the jail yeah. cell, or take his photo and put it up in, on on the front door of the, of the truck stop. You know, have like a a, a wall of shame. Give her a you ever shoplift? And like, look, I I, I feel bad because when I was like ten, I shoplifted like some baseball cards and some lighters from from Walgreens. I mean, it was a long time ago. But I, I can't say I've never in my life shoplifted something
5: no not as a not as an adult everybody does stupid stuff when they're kids but like as an adult i just i see cameras everywhere now and i work retail too and i know like what a pain in the butt it is dealing with shrink you know that that does affect your bottom line as a retail employee um so yeah I, i never had the inkling to do that juice
1: ain't juice ain't worth the squeeze on those ones Juice ain't worth no, the squeeze no. All right, now, look, freight conferences are kind of exciting. They're, they're fine, freight waves especially. But, like, they could do more. Sponsors could do more. Sponsors could do more with everything. Sponsors could even do more with bowl games. And it took Pop Tarts and Cheez-Its to bring us there. Let's take a look at these. And how can we translate this to freight? Let's take a look at the Pop Tart. I mean, this thing was absolutely fantastic. It did. It was mission accomplished. It turned into a meme everywhere. It was all over X, like, as it happened. All the instant memers were on top of this thing, myself included. They even ate the guy too, right? Yeah, and there was like Yeah, so that was the that was I think the payoff there. There was
5: buildup. It wasn't just like, yo, check out our stupid mascot. Like, cheese, it kind of cool. He's coming out of a box. And then what? Nothing happens. With the Pop-Tart guy, he kept going into the crowd and he was waving a sign saying dreams really do come true. And people were asking him, like, what is your dream? What is your dream? And he was saying, I want to be eaten. And everyone was like, Well, that's kind of weird. And then they eat them. <laughs> so he's holding up a sign saying "non-edible mascot." So they're they're playing off of it. But the the Pop Tart guy wanted to be eaten. Um, it was weird. I, I I'm curious to see where um, other companies go with this. Like, are we getting more edible mascots? Are they gonna pull this off as as well as Pop Tart did? I don't know. I, I I can't wait to see.
1: I want to eat the JB Hunt like scroll. What is that thing in their logo? It's like a scroll or something, or like a like a rolled up bill of lading or something. I want to eat that.
5: <laughs> a piece of parchment,
1: yeah. Do you think we could eat the, you know, the ATA truck guy that they have walk around? Can we eat him?
5: (laughs) Well, he's a driver. The the rumor is that it's always a driver that's
1: inside one of those things. So Yeah. Charles Bracey gets very offended that it's a driver in there. But, like, I have never interviewed, like, I don't know if the driver, I'm not going to be offended on, like, the driver's behalf for being in a mascot outfit. Like, if he's upset about it, then fine. I like to wear stupid outfits. So, like, I would be the kind of person who would be like, yeah, sure, I'll wear it actually you know who would be perfect in that costume
5: mike lombard uh in previous life he was a uh, he was a a college mascot he what what what, for what team i don't remember but it was whatever university he was in what did Uh, he he have to dress as? he was the guy in the costume i don't remember i think it was like a a dog or a dragon i'll have to ask him it was blue i believe it was just one of those weird things you're talking to him and he's like oh yeah i was a mascot one day
1: i was like i would have never have guessed that well at halloween we had sal on as the uh the camel the Campbell camel like we do you think we could eat sal Sure, sure.
5: Sure. <laughs> I don't, know, I, don't know, of... I don't know what Camel tastes like. Camel if
1: if you're the Cheese it like director, now you got you got dunked. Like Pop-Tarts did a better job and they also went first. That was the hardest part for yeah. Cheese it. If Cheese it went first, then like Pop-Tart would have seemed like an escalation and like a natural progression. But Pop-Tart went first, and then Cheese it was a little bit of a regression. So if you're going to go big, too, you also need like spies or intel in these other organizations to make sure you don't get one-upped by the competition the worst thing at f3 would be to like jump out of the toaster then just walk off stage so the next guy's being like served in the lunch hall
5: yeah and like with cheeses too it's, it's already cooked in the box there's nothing to it whereas with pop-darts you got to put it in a toaster so they got to find other mascots where you buy the product and you have to do something to it to like get the final result so i don't know if they need like a big microwave on the stage or, ooh, or a, a giant uh, air fryer we could just start air frying mascots that'll
1: work Air frying mascots. Be careful with those. My brother in law set his on fire. Um, here's one for you. How about we don't get a ton of ads in freight, but when we do, sometimes they're like crazy and out there. How about you rate this ad for us? Let's see, it's from MERSC.
3: Don't you think I'm prepared for this? It's just a simple delivery. What could possibly
2: be oh wrong?
1: It feels like being a, an import coordinator.
2: Are you okay? Yeah, I'm oh, good.
5: Great. I love the subtle uh, Bluetooth uh, earpieces.
3: Are you kidding me? It's a dead end. No such thing as a dead end. Actually, a
0: path uh, Right where you are. <laughs> We're in! Not yet. I still
3: need to get you
2: to the other side. Watch out! <laughs> There's things a dead
5: end. Yes, there is. Ah. Ah.
1: Now, insert the cargo.
0: go from here and eat where you like
1: discover new paths <laughs> ship with mercy you are you're, you're you're discovering the uh <laughs> you're discovering the horn of africa because you can't go through the red sea because they banned all ships through there
5: yeah and i don't know if i like that tagline of uh, there's no such thing as a dead end like there, there absolutely are dead ends
1: Oh, you! Oh, you get very like pedantic. You, hey, wait a second! No figures of speech, Murk. <laughs> well, you know, and also like the the crystal, like what
5: was it? Was that supposed to be a shipping container? It needed, it needed to be more like container-like. It looked like just a a, a prop. You know, they're ripping off Indiana Jones. It's you see where they're like taking inspiration from everything, but there's nothing like original about anything in that ad.
1: Yeah, they had to tie it. I think they could have tied it together a, a little bit more, but at the same time, it was memorable. I remembered it. Very few ads I watched more than once, and I've watched that a couple times. So, I'd say mostly. Mission accomplished. Keep going that direction. Maybe bring in like an like Alex Garland, who's doing that movie Civil War, as like the director of your next mm. one. Mm, and have yeah. more missiles. Well, that, that, more missiles can never help. Could never hurt. Hey, you ever have this happen to you? Well, pulling your truck in through a drive-thru. If you remember when people couldn't go in stores during 2020 <laughs> and 2021, this was a big problem. This truck driver here, he got himself, <laughs> It's obviously too tall to be going through and he's peeling off, he's shearing off. The top of his truck at a drive-through. What's your tip? Yeah, I don't know if he's—I don't know if he's there to like deliver
5: or if he was just you know having a Mac attack. But yeah, always make sure you know your height of your vehicle. Don't ever end up in a situation like this because like he's pretty much stuck. No, no matter which direction he turns, he's just making it worse for him right now. Um, there's no markings or anything on that truck, so I don't think he's there delivering. I think he just got you know in the wrong place, wrong time. And, oh man, look
1: at that—the whole back is just gone. <laughs> that so, was a really expensive McDouble. <laughs> he didn't need that. He didn't need that one. Hey, Justin, well, winter, we, we are in winter. It's cold as, It's cold in Chattanooga. I don't know how cold it is over there, but it's yeah. been as cold here as, as everywhere else. There's a, I just saw Boston, snow warning coming up, snow coming in everywhere. What are your top winter tools that every truck driver needs to have in his truck this season? Uh, good shoes, this thing.
5: Uh, good socks. This couldn't hurt. This was actually kind of cool. I like it's light enough that you can pick it up um i've never seen anything like that it looks like it's overseas um but yeah this would come in super handy um a lot of like decent warehouses will have like the automated trailer scraper that when you're when you're leaving their lot they scrape the snow off but also like where are you going to put this in your truck it's pretty big yeah well i
1: think that's why it's probably like at the terminal i think they pull that out of the the warehouse. I don't know where you're going to lay that down. It's gigantic. Unless it's inflatable, but then that would be like a whole new problem. All right. You mentioned shoes and socks. Do you need a strap? How about a strap in case you find yourself like this truck? So you need shoes, socks. That's stocks. a good pulling right there. What else we need, Justin? Jumper cables? Warm packets uh, for your hands? Well,
5: for win- for win- yeah, for winter specifically, um, a couple bags of kitty litter. I always tell them, or, or, or if you can find it, some road salt. Um, always keep some handy with you. Um, this guy was smart. You notice that the tow hitch is like on the frame and not the, not the bumper. I see yeah. that mistake so much with guys. They, they put it on their bumper and they rip the bumpers off. We did a beautiful um, job yeah, here. Keep, Just
1: pair of gloves, Alpine be hammer. Beepa gloves, keep the heat up, keep your truck full. Go find Super Trucker at Super Trucker. Go find What the Truck at FW What the Truck. Find me at Timothy Duna. That's D double O N E R. If I get these QR code stickers made, Go find those truck the vote QR codes. Any truck stop you're at. Take care. Have an awesome 2024.
0: And don't be a stranger.